All right, how's everybody doing? I wanted to, to start out tonight talking about a book that I just finished reading. It's a book about a Navy SEAL. And if y'all don't know who or what a Navy SEAL is, a Navy SEAL is like the elite of the elite. They're like the top dogs. They're the ones that you call in when everything's gone wrong and you need someone to take care of business. That's who the Navy SEALs are. They're the top of the top military, okay? You, to, get, to be a Navy SEAL, you can't just sign on the dotted line and say, I want to be a Navy SEAL, and they slap you on the butt and send you in there. It takes a lot of training. As a matter of fact, when you sign up, you sign up for the Navy, and then you go through the Navy boot camp, and then you volunteer to be a Navy SEAL, which puts you through 24 more weeks of training. Okay, so it's not an easy thing to do. And I want to talk specifically about one of those weeks of training. And one of those weeks is especially difficult training. And if you're, not, if you're a person who doesn't like to get up in the morning, this week might be for you because you never have to get up because you never get to sleep. You literally get to sleep 20 minutes here and 15 minutes there, but you're up, you're up and awake for that entire week. All right, so one of those days that I want to focus in on, on that specific week, is, is a day where they have a raft, and they're in teams of six or eight, and they have a raft, just like the one in this picture, but it's not your ordinary raft that you get from Walmart or Kmart that weighs 10 or 15 pounds. This is a 360-pound raft, and they're in teams of six or eight, and they have to carry this raft around with them everywhere they go. When they go to lunch, they carry the raft with them. When they come back from lunch, they carry the raft with them. And did I mention that lunch is a mile run there and a mile run back? And you better hustle too, because if you're last place, you get a punishment. So they go to lunch, carry these things back, 360 pounds. They're staying together. And there's a specific exercise with these rafts that I want to focus even more on. One of these exercises, they have to do exactly what they're doing in this picture up here, and they have to raise this 360-pound raft above their heads, fully arms extended. And that may not seem like a whole lot with six or eight guys, but they're holding it up there, and they don't know how long they have to hold it up there. They're just fighting to hold it up there. Now, the challenge in this challenge is that there is no time limit. The time limit is when every single SEAL team wannabe fails. That's the time limit. You hold it up until you fail. And the SEALs that are trying out right here, they don't realize this at the time. So they're fighting and pushing to hold this thing up here, thinking there's an end goal. The end goal is literally failure. Now you might be wondering, why is that any good? Why would we want to push these guys to complete failure where there's no chance to succeed? Well, they have a reason for it. And the reason is they want to watch these teams fail so they can see what teams turn against each other and which teams will turn into each other and start lifting each other up. That's what they're looking for. So they're pushing you to failure so they can see who's the real team and who's going to splinter off and start blaming the weak guy and start blaming other people in their team. So when I read this, I started thinking about reckless. And you might be thinking, now, why in the world would Navy SEAL training make you think of reckless? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, it made me think of reckless because I think of you guys in these small teams of six or eight, some of you have more than that, and you're all going to fail at some point. Every single person in here, including myself, are going to fail at some point. 
And in our SEAL teams, small groups, are we going to turn on the weakest link? Or are we going to bond together as a team and lift each other up? And that's my prayer, is that every small group in this place would be like a a miniature SEAL team that's going to build each other up, especially, especially in times of failure. Because every single one of us are going to approach that time. And I'm praying that we have small groups in here that are going to lift each other up when that failure comes, just like these Navy SEALs do. Now, the Navy SEALs have a saying when you're trying out, and it says, no individual will pass, but only those who come together as a team will succeed. And I think that's true for our small groups. As individuals, we are weaker and we're going to fail. But as a team, as a small group, we can rally together and fill in those blanks through Jesus Christ. And that's my prayer today is that we have small groups just like that, willing to hold each other up when the going gets tough. Y'all mind if we pray real quick? God, we love you. Our prayer is that no one in this entire place will be an individual. That they will know that they are surrounded, God with a team that will lift them up when they need it through you, Jesus. That we will come together as small groups that will lean into each other. And if there's anyone in this place that feels like an individual, that feels like an outcast, that feels like they're not part of that small group, Lord, my prayer is tonight that the small group would open up and pull those people in, God, and they would all be part of a true small group that will lift each other up and not leave each other as individuals to fail, but as a team through you, Jesus, to succeed. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. So my name's Ryan Delk, and I'm, I, got, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ about six years ago. It was in October or November, about six years ago, that I put my faith and trust in who Jesus Christ is. And he literally changed everything about me. I was literally a new creation through Christ. He did that. I didn't do it. I didn't even want to do it. He did that. And if you were to look at me back then before my salvation, you may ask God a few questions. You may say things like, God, are you sure this is the guy you want to save? Is this the best you got? This guy's not even seeking after you. This guy thinks he's good enough on his own. He doesn't even think he needs you. How about picking someone that's a little bit more cleaned up? Maybe choose someone who's actually seeking after you. Maybe this guy is not ready for salvation. Now, I thank God that we don't serve a God that waits for us to be ready for salvation. I, I thank God that we, that we serve a true God, the true God, that doesn't say that we have to be good enough. We serve a God that saves us while we're in our sin, while we're slaves to that sin. And he loves us so much that he's not willing to leave us in that slavery. He offers freedom in those who would choose to have a relationship with him. That's the God that we follow.
Yeah, we have a good God that has overcome all sin and has the power to make every one of us new creations through him. And that goes for every single student sitting out here. He hasn't forgot a single one of you, even if you are a student that's sitting off by yourself and you feel like nobody has your back and nobody cares about you. I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ loves you and he died on the cross for you. So we are no longer slaves. We have been set free. Everything else I talk about tonight is going to point back to that, that we are no longer slaves. We have been set free. So I'm going to ask something of everybody in the audience today. So if you're kind of tuned out, you're not really paying attention, I'm going to ask that you kind of refocus. If your buddy's sitting beside you, go ahead and give him an elbow. It's okay if you bruise his arm. He'll be fine. Just look up for one second and any time tonight that I say the words, we are no longer slaves, I'm going to ask that you respond, we have been set free. And, I don't, and I'm not asking for a mumble through, uh, yeah, we've been kind of set free, I guess, maybe. No, I want to, we have been set free. And I'm asking you all to do that for a reason. Because sometimes we have to repeat truth to ourselves so that we believe it. So whenever I say we are no longer slaves, you will say we have been set free. So let's give it a try. We have been set free. We are no longer slaves. There we go. All right, well, let's try it again. You ready? We, have, we are no longer slaves. One more time. We are no longer slaves. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I want to hear. Every single time I say we are no longer slaves, you're going to say what? We have been set free. That's it. So I've been saved for six years now, and I still work around plenty of people who knew the B.C. Ryan. That's what my mother-in-law calls it, the before Christ Ryan. And I work around plenty of people who knew me and know me before Christ and after Christ came into my life. And some of those people still say things like, hey, Ryan, I remember the, the real Ryan. I remember the old Ryan. I remember when you used to do this or you used to do that. And they'll bring up the old things and the old ways that I used to be. And you know what? I love it. I thank God that they bring that up. Do you know why? Because it gives me a chance to tell them who changed me and why he changed me and how he changed me. And it gives a, 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 a factual information that they cannot deny because they saw the old Ryan. They knew the old Ryan. And now they can see the Ryan that is after Christ has intervened in my life. And they can see that. So it gives me an opportunity to spread the gospel to them when they think they're calling me out. God is opening up a door for the gospel to be shared. And that's an amazing thing. I get to talk about a God that took me exactly how I was, drenched in sin, and covered me totally and completely through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. God saves us when we were slaves to sin, and he loves us too much to leave us in slavery. He offers freedom through a relationship with him. You're going to hear me repeat that tonight. Why? Because it's the truth, and I want you to get that. He did not leave me as a slave to sin. He set me free because we're no longer slaves. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> there you go. Y'all are good. Y'all are good. So what does it mean to be a slave to something? It means whatever it is has complete control over you. That could be pornography. It could be sex outside of marriage. It could be drunkenness, greed, selfishness, negativity, creating a false God that's okay with everything you want and everything you wish you could do. That could be what you're a slave to. So it's whatever takes control of you. So I want you to imagine uh, for a moment right here that you're in this room, but you're not by yourself. You get, you get to bring your family in here and all your friends. And then we pack the house out from front to back. We pack it out with everybody from church, everybody from your school, everybody you know is invited in here. And then we're going to call you up on stage to come on up here. We ask for your phone and we plug it in. And when we plug it in, it reflects your phone on both of these screens on either side. All your family, all your friends are sitting in here. And now not only does it, does it display your phone, but it starts going through your YouTube history, your Instagram that you looked at. It's looking at your Snapchat. It's pulling up all of your phone's history. It's going through all your pictures. It's going through all your text messages. Now I want you to think for a second, what popped up in your mind that you said, oh no, I don't want them to see that. That could be what you're in slavery to. Whatever you were worried about being up in front of your friends and family could be what you're in slavery to. Now, Satan, the way he works is he will whisper us into sin. He will kind of walk beside us and gently walk with us into our sin. And what does he do after we've committed the sin? He leaves us. He walks away from us and he starts yelling at us, telling us that we're not good enough that God's never going to forgive us, that we've gone too far this time, and we don't have a God that's going to look at us with love anymore. We, that our God has turned his back on us. We've gone too far. That's what Satan says, but that's not the truth. We have a God that is a patient father. We have a God that literally runs with open arms to meet us in our sin, but he loves us so much he refuses to leave us there. Satan has made us think that Jesus is the can't and don't way of life. He's lied to us. He's told some of us and convinced some of us to believe that following Jesus is all about what you can't do and what you don't do. But I want to tell you right now from personal experience that following Jesus is not the can't, don't do. Following Jesus is literally freedom. We have a God through Jesus that breaks the chains of sin over your life. He breaks the chains of pornography. He smashes down the door that's holding you in of greed and selfishness. Whatever you're in slavery to, we have a God that breaks that down and overpowers it and then sets us free because we are no longer slaves. That was your cue. Good job. He didn't say, hold on, Ryan. I need to wait a little bit until you're good enough. I need to give you a couple weeks to kind of prove to me that you're going you're gonna to really be serious about this thing. Now, we have a God that's so powerful. 
He walked right into my sin and yanked me out of it and pulled me away from the sin. We have a God that did not wait for me to clean myself up. Why? Because I couldn't clean myself up. And you want to know something? I didn't want to clean myself up. I was happy in my sin. I was satisfied in my life. I didn't think I needed God. But we have a God that does not wait for our satisfaction to run out of sin. He steps right in the middle of it. He called me and then he changed me. God saves us when we're slaves to our sin. But he loves us too much to leave us in slavery. He offers freedom through a relationship with him. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ is coming, we are no longer slaves. A little bit dull there, but that's okay. We'll work with it. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait for us to get it right. He didn't tell us that we have to try really hard. He didn't wait and say, hold on, Jesus, don't die for their sins yet. They're not ready. Why? Because Jesus already died for your sins. That work is finished. There's no sin that you can be in or that you're going to be in that God has not already died for. If you didn't know this, Jesus went to the cross over 2,000 years ago. All of your sins are a future state from that, but he knew about it. So I want to talk to two different groups of people here. The first group is a group of people who have not put their faith and trust in Christ yet. Maybe you're sitting out there thinking that you're all right, that you, that you can kind of earn your way, or maybe you'll get to it later. Or maybe you just don't even believe that any of this is truth. So I want to take you on a, a little trip with me. I'm going to need you to use your imagination a little bit. I want you to envision yourself at the nicest, fanciest restaurant you've ever been to. Now, I'm not talking about Moe's. I love Moe's, but a little nicer than that. Picture yourself at a restaurant like this. You're walking in, music's playing. It's one of them restaurants where the, where the waiter comes up and sweeps the crumbs off your table. And every time you take a sip of water, he refills it back for you. It's a nice restaurant. Now, I want you to imagine that you're eating your favorite meal. Whatever your favorite meal is, imagine that you're eating that favorite meal and you get to your dessert and it's amazing. This is a nice restaurant. And now you're done with your meal. You're completely satisfied. Everything is good. And now I want you to picture the waiter walking up to your table and he lays down that little piece of paper. It's usually in a little fold, so you can't see it. So when you open it up and you're stunned, it's like a surprise jumping out at you. You open that up. You see the bill. It's a big bill. You reach into your pocket or your purse to pull out your cash, but you don't have any money. Your wallet is empty. You're in big trouble, right? You just enjoyed a big meal. You owe a lot of money to this restaurant. You're in big trouble sitting there with nothing you can do about it. Now picture the waiter walks back up to you and says, hey, I want to let you know something. A guy over there that you don't even know, he picked up your tab. He paid the entire bill for you, and he left. He said, no strings attached. 
I'm paying for your bill. That's pretty awesome, right? That we would all be thankful for that, right? But if you're in that first group who has not put your faith and trust in Christ, your response to the person paying your bill is, no thanks, I'm good, I'm good. When in all actuality, you're sitting there with no way to pay this debt and you're in big trouble. I'm here to urge you today to accept the payment that Jesus Christ has already made on your behalf. He's already made that payment. All you need to do is accept that payment. Every one of us in this room have missed the mark of perfection. Every single one of us has fallen short. Every one of us in this room need the mercy of someone else to pay our debts for us. Every single one of us. We have to be willing to accept that payment. All we have to do is accept it. And I plead with you tonight, if you have not put your faith and trust in Christ, to accept that payment that he has already made on your behalf. Now, there is a second group of people. That second group is people who have put their faith and trust in Christ, but are still holding on to something from their old life. I want to urge you right now to let that go because we're no longer slaves. We have been set free. free. That's right. Now, if I could have a couple of the volunteers that I talked to earlier to go and come on up here on stage. Come on up here. Don't be afraid. You already promised me you'd do it. Yeah, let's give them a, come on. There should be about five or six of y'all. Make your way up. Now, what these guys and girls are going to do when they get to the stage is they're going to pick up one of these weights. They all have a different sin that we may struggle with on here, and it doesn't matter which one you grab. Just pick up one of the weights, any of the weights. And then what I want you to do, come on up here. There you go. Now, what I want you to do is hold the weight out in front of you with your arms fully extended. Now, at first, the weight's not that heavy. These are eight and five pound weights. So it doesn't feel that heavy. And sometimes that's exactly the way sin feels at first. You, you pick it up, you step into it, and this sin ain't so bad. I'm kind of getting away with this. Everything's all good. But then the burden of sin will start weighing on you and burning on you. And 2 Corinthians 5.21, and y'all watch them, make sure they don't let them down. The scripture says, God made him who knew no sin be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What does that mean? That means God made Jesus, who is himself, take on all of our sin, even though he had never sinned. When he went to the cross, he went with no sin of his own, but he took all of our sins. Imagine a God that steps into our story and takes our punishment for us. Imagine a God that overcomes, keep holding them up, overcomes sin, even when it's getting heavy, especially when it's getting heavy. It takes a God that is willing to step in and remove the weight of sin from each And every one of us, no matter what the sin is, no matter how heavy the burden is, we have a God through Jesus Christ that comes and removes that sin for us and takes that burden off of our shoulders. Now, how do your arms feel? They feel lighter. They feel better because you've let that sin down. 
And that's what Jesus Christ does. Y'all can go ahead back to your seats. Thank you so much for coming up here. In Romans 8, 15, it says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought you about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we get to call him Abba, Father. When we put our faith and trust in Christ, we receive a helper through the Holy Spirit who is God that dwells inside of us to convict us and guide us and help us through this life. We have been adopted as sons and daughters of God. We get to call him Father. It's not that we can't do this sin. It's not that we can't do that sin. It's that now through the Holy Spirit, We have a new heart, a new desire, and we want to follow this good father that came in the midst of our sin and pulled us out of it. It's not that, oh man, I don't get to have sex before marriage. It's now I get to save myself for my future spouse. I get to share that with the one person I will spend the rest of my life with. It's not that I don't get to go to that party and get drunk. It's now I want to be clear-headed and in step with the Holy Spirit and Jesus who gave his life for me. It's not that I can't hang out with those kids that are bullying those other kids. It's now I want to speak life into those who are mistreated. I want to be the Navy SEAL team that pulls together and lifts people up. The Navy SEALs would never push somebody to the outskirts. They're pulling them in. And that's what we want to do through the Holy Spirit. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. Follow those thoughts put into you by the Holy Spirit. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he has done for you on the cross, my hope is tonight you will do that. That you'll recognize your own sin. You'll recognize the separation that you have created between you and God that you will choose to repent of the life that turned away from Jesus Christ and you will turn to Jesus and you will call out to him, God, you are so good. When I was a slave in my sins, you were willing to die on a cross for me. You paid the debt that I could never pay. Confess with your mouth that you believe and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he went to the cross, taking your sin with him, died and then defeated death on the third day. And the Bible says that you are saved. God saves us when we're slaves in our sin, but he loves us too much to leave us in slavery. He offers freedom through a relationship with him. We are no longer slaves. Thank God that we are no longer slaves. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. We are no longer slaves. Give your life to Jesus. We are no longer slaves. 
God, we love you, Lord. You are our heavenly father. You stepped in to our story and you gave up your life for us, God. You stepped in when we were sinful and we didn't even care to look towards you, God. You took it to the cross and you died for us. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for what you've already done for us. We want to put all of our faith and all of our trust in who you are and what you have already done, God. We love you, and God, we need you in Jesus' name. Amen.